Welcome to Unethical Podcast. What's up boys what's up celeste yo yo the girls are gone saddening the other girls are gone so it's just us and our our good friend and one more week rj is going to be here and celeste is going to be out <laughs> private dicks will have taken over <laughs> well we can hope rj is my favorite and he is who i would choose to replace me if i had to choose <laughs> <laughs> The other two are here and she says RJ is my favorite. He is my favorite. I'm not sorry. He is he is pretty fucking funny. He's been killing me every day, every episode. When he called you a vampire gets, I fucking laughed so hard because that was perfect. <laughs> Studying phlebotomy. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bright in here. He is great. So good. But you have a couple dicks to help out today. That's good. Hey, you got two big dicks. <laughs> Double dicking. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're being double penetrated, but you are in your ear holes. In a while. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since I was in college. Yikes. Fucking psych majors, am I right? Yeah, you're right. But you've never been double <laughs> penetrated before, Rick? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I have not. Talk about a life not well lived. Wasting your life away, my friend. Time to go back to Columbia, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, with the, with the help of my two dicks, we're going to find out, actually, since you're here, you can solve a little mystery. I don't have any information to give you, really. That's our specialty. Like, yeah. Just figuring, figuring mysteries out. Mystery, what's the mystery? That's the mystery. Well, you can, you can, you can solve the mystery of what happened to Walter Collins. Wally Collie. No. <laughs> Probably not. No. You don't think somebody must have called if his name's Walter Collins, somebody called him Wally Collie at least once. You think? I I'm guaranteeing it. My name's Richard Stoodle. You know how many iterations of Stoodle I've got over the years? Toaster Strudel. Troaster Stoodle. Dickless Mike Stoodle. Dickless Mike, exactly. My middle name's Leslie Michael, so Dickless Mike Stoodle. There's all sorts of Stoodles going on. You got a name Walter, you're getting called Wally. Guaranteed. <laughs> boys will be boys, I guess. Didn't didn't cross my mind. For me, because my name is Richard Getz, it was just Getz Dick. I'm not going to lie and say I didn't say that you Getz Dick in our group chat the other day. You didn't invent that. You didn't invent that. I'm sorry. <laughs> It was some substitute that accidentally invented it and realized what she said. And there was no going back. Oh, like gets comma dick. Yeah. Well, she said, she said, is, is gets here gets comma Richard. And someone from the back yelled, he goes by Dick. And she said, gets Dick. <laughs> Fuck. She walked right into it. Oh, let's say a prayer for the poor woman. Jesus. <laughs> oh, how how young in life was this? Like, how did this shape you? This must have shaped you a bit because Get Stick stuck around. 
No, it was either freshman or sophomore year. So I wasn't young enough that it scarred me for life, but I was young enough that I got in trouble for it when someone else said it. Sophomore, how American of you. Do you guys not say that up there? No. What the fuck do you say? Tenors? No. <laughs> what did you say? I was thinking of a Canadian way to say it. I don't know. We don't have like freshmen because high school starts grade 10. So there's no like freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. We just have three in high school. 10, 11, 12. That's not true with me. Uh, high school started grade 9, 10, 11, 12. And then when I was younger, there was grade 13. Did you have middle school? Junior yes. high? So I went from uh, grade kindergarten to grade three in one school, grade four to grade eight in another school, my middle school, and then grade nine to OAC, which was grade 13 in high school. That's so weird. We yeah. have one to six and then seven to nine and then 10 to 12. It's probably better. It's probably better grade nine starts in high school or grade 10 starts in high school, not grade nine, because that's when I started getting warped, you know, like. I started smoking weed and stuff in grade nine. Like you get introduced to the more adulty shit. So just give you an extra year to like get exposed to drinking. And so I, when I was in grade eight, I didn't even think about drinking. It was like grade nine. Let's get fucked up. There's a bunch of new girls in our school. All of my Canadian culture comes from trailer park boys. Oh, it's exactly. I won't say that that's exactly wrong. Canada. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, in Canada, if you don't know, I don't know if you know this, Getsy, but we have what's called CanCon, and we have to play like 30% of whatever's on our television has to be Canadian content. Uh, so that's mandated by the government. That's not even like... That's some insecurity if I've ever heard it. Yeah, otherwise your guys' culture would just uh, absorb us. Like we would never have anything made in Canada. It would just all get made in the States. So it's a way to like force people to make entertainment here. But it's also super annoying because you can get grants and stuff. And I feel like maybe I'm wrong. I know there's going to be people who got grants that are going to be like, that's not true. But uh, you get grants and stuff. It, it takes away the hunger and the urge because you know you could just apply for free money to fucking make something, right? When you're an artist and you like scratch and scrape for it and get it the way like the best you can, I find it makes better art. And right there was a Canadian explaining the American dream. <laughs> well, I'm explaining art. Uh, the American dream has been warped by your billionaire douchebags now, so... Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, achieving the American dream just means that you get to be a pedophile. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, and then killed in prison. How many white-collar criminals are killed in prison? At least one. One, Jeffrey Epstein. Okay, one. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least. <laughs> the other ones don't get arrested. They have good lawyers. Yeah, get a better lawyer, Jeffrey. What the fuck? <laughs> I think there was only room for one Jeffrey at the time. Uh, Bezos was involved. That's all I'm saying. That's the real, uh, that's the real American dream. Who has the better lawyer? <laughs> you ever watch the documentary, The Staircase, where that, uh, the Scott Peterson one or whatever? Or yeah. Scott Peterson. But he talks about that. Like the lawyer's like, we live in America, man. Some people like, it's like getting a shitty $500 car or you go get a Mercedes Benz. I'm the Mercedes Benz of lawyers. So go fuck yourself. Like he basically says that in the thing. Merka, it's, it's without Tally's commentary here. It's <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> no, come on. Her American She's... outrage is always on point. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. When she when she mentioned <laughs> many many episodes ago about the gun in the nightstand, I connected with that. 
Do you have a gun in your <laughs> nightstand? I do, yes. How? What do you mean, how? I mean, there's a gun and then yeah. there's you. Correct. <laughs> Generally, what I try and do is stay behind it. Okay. So there's you and then there's a gun if you want to talk semantics about order. But my point is that they're... I'm American. What's the question here? Yeah, yeah. But you're so little. I keep a... That's why I need a gun. But how could you even fire a gun? Wouldn't your little arms get tired? He's got one of those... He's got one of those guns that like old school, old timey saloon women had in their like breast and they pull out and it's like a single shot like oh. <laughs> he's gonna get his gun does this look like a single single bullet breast gun this is a man's gun <laughs> let's just stop and think for a minute how many americans have pulled their guns on us since we started this show <laughs> that's actually true there's been a fair amount like yeah more than more than what would be comfortable in person you know yeah it's like oh you're canadian <laughs> let me show you my gun See, look, he's got a fucking... I'm a Glock 19. Sick. Shoot it. It, it is unloaded, clearly. <laughs> Shoot it right now. Shoot it. Shoot it at your wall. It's your house. Shoot your wall. <laughs> <laughs> Just bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I, have, I have a Smith & Wesson Shield Plus, too, but I keep that one in my car. Great! <laughs> uh, America. That's cool. You're safe against the government because that's the one of the things that they need is safety against just in case the government wants to come and take your shit. At least you're armed. You know, you could take out the drone or the tank. No problem. I mean, it's not for me fighting against the government. It's really just for statistically speaking, if somebody breaks into my house, I'm fucked if I don't have a gun. I think this is homophobia. I think you're scared about your butthole getting penetrated. No, I'm scared that my butthole won't get penetrated. I use the gun to help it. <laughs> oh, okay. I did not expect that. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, so we went way off subject with the gun thing. I could keep going for hours. I have lots of questions. It's crazy that that all started with talking about high school grades. <laughs> this story doesn't have guns. Actually, it might. It might have one. I think. Okay. Somewhere. It's got far more fun weapons. Oh. Yeah. The good ones. Bladed, yeah. edged weapons. Yeah. <laughs> Hand-to-hand combat weapons. No range weapons. That's that's how a man's made right there. You ten paces at dawn. How about fucking swords right now? That should be legal. You should absolutely one hundred percent be allowed to duel people. If both people agree to a duel, you should be it should be legal, even with guns. Okay. If both people agree to a duel, it should be legal. I agree. Why not? It's consent. You got consent to shoot each other. I'm down. I'm honestly down with that. I'm cool with that too. You'd have to be fucking psycho to agree to it, but hey. Why? Men used to agree to it all the time. I think they would now too. Let's deal with their numbers. This is the most effective way to deal with idiots. (laughs) Are you guys ready? Let's fucking get it. In 1908, a man named Gordon Stewart Northcott was regrettably born in Saskatchewan, Canada. <laughs> I just, you just said regrettably born in Saskatchewan. Sorry about that, Saskatchewan. <laughs> sorry about that, Canada. Sorry about that world. And even sorry to him a little bit because Saskatchewan sucks. 
<laughs> but I digress. He was raised in Canada, moving to British Columbia before settling in Los Angeles, California at age 19. People who knew Gordon as a child claimed that he had long, thick hair all over his body. And he would eventually be nicknamed the ape man in the press because of this claim and because he still had extremely hairy arms and an extremely hairy back, according to the newspapers. Ape man's awesome. <laughs> I, I I feel bad for that guy. And uh... Rick, are you fucking Googling this case right now? <laughs> uh, that's what he does. I am not. No, no right. I, I, you don't want to know what I'm doing. <laughs> well i think you just told us what you're doing no i'm it's not i just i don't i don't want to apes with guns apes with guns he's looking up apes with guns (laughs) (laughs) so from what i can gather his father purchased a plot of land in wineville california when gordon was a teenager because gordon had asked him to Uh, his father worked construction and built a chicken ranch on the plot of land in wineville So based on the, we will see, evident complicity in his crimes, his parents were very permissive and just very weak in every respect. I wish my parents, if I asked them to buy me a plot of land, would. What did they do? Live their life like they did instead of trying a little harder. I I was talking about this earlier and buying me plots of lands. Ape Man sounds like he has good parents. That's all I'm saying. How many plots of land have you bought, Oscar? Uh, I will. Oh, will you? I'm trying here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess we'll see about that. I'll check back with you in like 10, 15 years. Make sure that Molly and Oscar both have several plots of land in California. Yes, yes. yes. LA specifically. <laughs> <laughs> so once the ranch was completed in 1926, Gordon moved there and invited his 13-year-old nephew, Sanford Clark, to live there with him. Sanford's parents were in favor of the move because they believed that a ranch would teach Sanford valuable skills and that the schooling would be better in America, which may have been true at the time. Back then it was better. What's wrong with American schools now? Pew, 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 pew. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little bit of a fucked up way to say it, but you're not wrong. That and you guys can't tell me where your states are. I always do that at private dicks. And they're like, I don't know. And then they make fun of me for thinking fucking Washington, Washington are across fucking the state. What do I know? I'm not even from America. I know where all the provinces are, motherfucker. Yeah, we only got like, whatever, eight of them, seven. <laughs> I don't know how many provinces we have. Twelve, I think. <laughs> With the territories? So it's you nine. mean maritimes and the territories? No, no, the ter- just the territories. We don't have... The Maritimes are provinces, you elitist prick. I get that. And that's not what I'm saying. The pro- the territories are not. Yes, they provinces. are. Okay. Well, there are territories. You watch. Territory, Yukon, Northwest Territories, and Nunavut are all three territories. You are wrong. How much you want to bet? I'm looking at it right now. How much you want to bet? How much I you have bet? nothing. I have literally <laughs> nothing. <laughs> There are three territories. Say, ten includes ten provinces and three territories. Most of the acts established. Oh, so it's thirteen. Uh, I'm not going to get into the whole thing. Thirteen is. So there you go. I'm sorry for making fun of you, uh, Rick. And when I said sorry, I meant that very loosely. As long as we're on the same page. There you go. <laughs> All right, moving right along. So uh, the move would actually prove devastating for unsuspecting Sanford. On the night that they arrived, his uncle's 
true nature was revealed and Sanford was beaten and brutally raped by Gordon and told that if he tried to leave the ranch or if he told anyone that he would be killed. Did you just burp? I did. Sorry. (laughs) You insensitive asshole. I burped. What do you want? It's a fucking burp. I ate supper. I was trying not to. I was trying to wait until your sentence was done, but it, it just came out. It squeezed its way out around the corn because it tasted like corn. I'm never recording with dudes again. I'm sorry. The guy got raped. My fault. I burped. Okay. Don't tell anyone about the rape. Apparently you told someone because you know. I do. Yes. Fucking guy. Doesn't even know how to listen to instructions about how to not get raped. Holy fuck! For the record, two thirds of private dicks does not blame the victim here. <laughs> You're welcome, RJ. <laughs> One minute, 37 seconds later. Uh, I didn't mean the rape comment. I'm sorry. All right. Gordon's mother. Sarah Louise Northcott lived with Gordon and Sanford at the ranch while his father, Cyrus George Northcott, lived and worked in nearby Los Angeles. The abuse against Sanford would continue until Gordon was arrested in 1928. Okay, so that's two years. So while Sanford was at the ranch, Gordon would force him to write letters home to his family so as not to raise suspicion. But his older sister, Jessie, found these letters suspicious. So they had the opposite effect. Good job, Gordon. So she went down to Wineville to visit her brother for a few days and check up on him. She said that very soon after arriving, she became terrified of Gordon. Some reports say that when she was there, she discovered the abuse. And other reports say that she was even attacked herself. But the reports aren't consistent. But what is certain is that when she finally left, she had to find a way to get her brother home, whether he agreed to go or not, because he was refusing, because Gordon told him he would be killed. So Jesse reported her brother to the authorities for being a Canadian citizen living illegally in America. So two immigration service inspectors were sent out to Wineville to collect Sanford so that he could be deported back to Canada on September 15, 1928. Sanford put up a hell of a fight. But once he was in custody, Sanford told the inspectors that his uncle had seen them coming and told him that if he didn't distract them for long enough for Gordon and his mother to get away, that he would shoot all of them from the tree line with his rifle. And so that's why he put up such a big fight. Uh, He also told them that Gordon had been beating and raping him and that he had also been forcing him to take part in the murders of several young boys. So the immigration service is immediately called the police. Yeah, man. Do you? I just I can feel the pressure of that. Like I don't want to be raped, so now I have to kill. Like, oh my god, it's so scary. It's such a scary. Like you said, that was two years at least, right? Of this, they moved to the ranch in 1926, and he was arrested in 1928. Oh my fuck! Two years of like feeling like you have to murder. Or you get fucked, like, literally. Or killed, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Would you, would you, would you, like, well, I guess it's hard to be, put yourself in that situation, but, like, would you just decide the murder? Like, I guess after murder now, it's a hard, anyways, it's a hard fucking choice. In his situation? 
like if yeah my abuser captor was like either you murder these people or you die would i kill people yeah oh yeah oh yeah nah take me out fuck it i'm a bitch i'm i'm a coward i think i'd say i'd say oh hell yeah and the minute that it was like here's the weapon you you hail mary it and hope that you take him out and if you don't fuck it yeah that's that's a good point you try to attack the abuser he's 13 oh yeah that changes things too because it's spider yeah but i don't know i i don't know what my 13 year old self would think but i don't think i'm ever if i'm gonna kill somebody i'm gonna try and kill the dude that's telling me to kill these other people right yeah i i was thinking more along the line like even if I do survive all this abuse and everything else at the end of it, I have to live with the fact that i murdered. I helped murder people after that. And like, that's no way to fucking live. You know, you always have that on your conscience. You'd be thinking about it all the time. These psychopaths that kill people, they don't give a fuck after it's like a second thought, but like, I'm not a psychopath. I would have that. It would be forefront all the time. I just do what I was told. Probably. I guess when you're 13, you're not really like thinking about the future. You're just thinking about like, I don't know. I, what was I thinking about 13? Like, when's my next D&D game? Like, you know what I mean? Like, when do I play D&D next? Yeah. Sanford was also described as being very small for his age. And this is the ape man. He's a little guy. I don't think he's going to square up against ape man. Ape man. Yeah, yeah, ape man. Just... yeah, but you go for the jugular. It doesn't matter. I don't care how big he you are. He doesn't know what a jugular is. It's 1920 and he's 13. One swipe, you know? What were you doing when you were 13? <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Spying on the Chinese. Have you been drafted to the CIA already at this point? <laughs> A master assassin? I'll go with, yeah, yeah, I was an assassin when I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when the police arrived, Sanford told them that Gordon had started by offering boys jobs on the ranch for a small wage. He would bring them to the ranch, drag them to the chicken coop, and he would assault them there. Uh, Sanford told him that on occasion, he would then sell the boys to wealthy pedophiles from Los Angeles to make a couple bucks, and then he would return them home. He wouldn't harm them. Well, he'd harm them, but he wouldn't kill them. But one day... I was just... Sorry, I was just making me think of John Wayne Gacy until you said he sold them to rich pedophiles. Yikes. Step up. How did he come to meet these rich pedophiles is what i'd like to know yeah i bet you just it's like la was before it was like santa monica it was like pedophileville i guess so (laughs) everyone just moved there for the pedophilia i don't know i don't know how you meet a pedophile come for the pedophilia stay for the weather Well, anyway, so one day Gordon shows up at the ranch with a uh, an unidentified Hispanic boy, and he is still to this day unidentified. Gordon took the boy to the chicken coop, the same place that he would take Sanford and the other boys, but this time he kept him there for five days. On the fifth day, Gordon offered to show the boy the hatchery where the chicks were to see them hatching, but unfortunately it was not the hatchery. It was actually the room where he would take the chickens to be beheaded gordon then told sanford to burn the head in an outdoor oven while he left the property with the body in a burlap sack and the body was later found in a ditch in la puente california on february 2nd 1928 so uh it has since been speculated that the boy 
the unidentified boy who came to be known as the headless Mexican was actually Jose Gonzalez. He was a local Mexican ranch hand that he that was hired sort of all over the area surrounding LA before he went missing, but it's never been confirmed. Where else would he be really? Well, back to Mexico. That's what all the people who had him as a ranch hand assumed oh. that he went back home to Mexico because I guess he was raising money to go back to Mexico. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah. So Sanford was able to identify three boys from their photographs in the police headquarters. He claimed that there were actually many more than this, more than he could even keep track of. And he told the police that sometimes he was forced to help. He would be told to either finish off the victims or to start dismembering their bodies while Gordon went to get quicklime from his father, who was happy to oblige. Uh, Sanford said that they would then take the body parts out to an isolated field, dig a hole, and then pour quicklime over them. Dude, what, what kind of ranch did this guy have? He didn't have any pigs or something? You figure that'd be easier. Just buy a bunch of pigs if you're going to kill people. It was a poultry farm, yeah. I'm not trying to be like, a, give hints out to the poultry farmers out there, but I mean, uh, you just buy a couple pigs, you would have been set. You don't have to put them out in the field. You could have been selling pigs too, buddy. I'm not trying to give people hints, but here's exactly what you need to do. <laughs> this is a true crime podcast, after all. We have to talk about shit we know, right? I've cranked out so many true crime podcasts in my brain that I could probably kill someone. Wait, this isn't a DIY podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, you could put your pen down. You don't have to take any more notes, Rick. <laughs> no, Celeste just sends me the raw recordings. We're good. Oh, there, there you go, yeah. So the three boys that he were, he, oh my God, the three boys that he was able to identify were two brothers, Nelson and Lewis Winslow, aged 10 and 12, respectively, who had been abducted from Pomona, California on May 16th, 1928, while walking home from a model yacht club meeting. So it was believed by police at the time that the two boys had run away to pick cantaloupes after their parents received a letter from them in handwriting that they recognized, but it's unclear which brother it belonged to. Apparently, their scoutmaster had also said that they talked about doing this. So they weren't getting a ton of attention. Their case wasn't getting a lot of follow-up from the police. Um, the parents never believed it, though. So they kept pushing, and they were they were on the missing persons list. That's why they had their photographs. I figured out where I figured out where this guy met all the pedophiles, the scouts. Yeah, you might not be wrong. So Sanford claimed that Gordon had forced him to kill Nelson, but that Lewis had been killed by Gordon. The other victim that he was able to identify was 10-year-old Walter Collins, who had been abducted from, the Los, from Los Angeles, California on March 10th, 1928, while he was out to see a movie. Sanford claimed that Walter was killed by Gordon's mother, Sarah Louise, after more than seven days in captivity. And Walter Collins is the reason that we are here today talking about this piece of shit, Gordon Northcott. Fucking giant piece of trash. It's one thing to be a killer and everything, like, whatever. It's it's all bad, trust me. It's all trash people. But, like, you're forcing, a, like, a what you get off on is, like, raping, like, your nephew or whatever, and then making him get involved in it. Like, that is fucking... This guy, I've never heard of him, and it's nuts. This is nuts. I've also never heard of this case. And I honestly, not going to lie, I wish it would have stayed that way. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, this isn't normally the kind of trash that we cover. Just talking about horrible things for the sake of talking about them. There is actually a very important, very unethical yeah. aspect to this case. 
On March 10th, Christine Collins gave her son some money to go and see a movie. He was last seen by a neighbor around 5 p.m. wearing a plaid lumber jacket, long brown corduroy trousers, a gray cap, and black shoes walking near an intersection. When it got dark, a very worried Christine stood outside of her house and watched the end of the street, eager to see her boy come running home, but he never did. And the official protocol in Los Angeles at the time was that children must be missing for 24 hours before they can be reported missing. So she waited for 24 agonizing hours to report her son missing. And unfortunately, it was all downhill from there. So about three months earlier, on December 15, 1927, 12-year-old Marion Parker had been abducted from her school after a man who claimed to work with her father signed her out. And he told the school that her father had been in an accident and that she needed to come right away and he was sent for her. The kidnapper then sent a ransom letter after the abduction to her father, demanding $1,500 in gold and providing instructions for where to make the exchange. Two days later, on December 17th, after the police had delayed the search and fumbled the investigation, Marion's father met with the kidnapper, gave him the ransom, and as the man fled the scene, he threw the deceased and badly mutilated body of Marion out of the vehicle. 19-year-old William Edward Hickman, a former co-worker of Marion's father, was apprehended on December 22nd in Oregon, and a wave of relief surged throughout Los Angeles. But I bring this up because the city was still healing when Walter went missing in March of 1928. This is also a very important factor in what happens next. The whole like like waiting 24 hours for a little kid to be missing before you're allowed to report them. I'm so glad that's fucking a thing of the past now. Like that's such a stupid idea. Like imagine you're like I have kids. They're young. They're gone for more than six hours without me knowing where the five out four hours. I'd be terrified having to sit through 24 hours before the police will do anything is probably one of my worst nightmares. Honestly, this guy going into the school and be like, your dad, her dad's hurt. Let's get her out of here. Like how the fuck did the schools think that was okay at that time? It wasn't, it wasn't common for everyone to have a telephone. Yeah, I get that. But I mean, like, okay, let's talk to the mother then. Let's, I'm going to hold on to her for a bit. I'm a known factor. You're just a random guy. Like, here, random guy, take whatever kid you want. It was different you then. Know? People never thought it would, never thought it happened. People just assumed that this was, because this was the way that it was when they were kids, right? Like this in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when they were being raised, there was no telephones. It was literally just run and run and get your neighbor or whatever. And so it was probably just second nature for them to be like, if someone runs in, in a, in a panic, they're here because of why they say they're here. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess it's just so easy to fuck with like anybody. And I'm even talking myself, I'm talking about gets, you could walk into uh, in 1920, apparently, and just like be look panicked and go like, I want to pick a litter. I mean, that kid, like, what? I, I just still, even if you did, even a hundred years ago, if they didn't have phones and all they did was go get your neighbor and shit, you just you'd still be like, sure, daddy's hurt, I guess. Like, what happened to him? I'd ask a lot of questions. This man was a coworker of his of her father. I do just, I do just want to say that that social engineering still works to this day. You buy an orange vest and you walk into any fucking building and anyone's going to believe you. So I don't want to make it, you know, just because there weren't cell phones at the time that that was the, the reason that this worked. But if you walk in, you're panicked. I mean, you could call up, like I could, I could get access to your phone right now. If I called 
with if I had a woman call your cell phone account with a baby crying in the background and just acted like I was fucking stressed, they would just cave in and give me access. Way to tell that to people who have children. That's just what we want to hear. <laughs> so, so for all the listeners out there, make sure that your children know not to go with strangers. Say, I don't know this person and walk back into the school. Oh, my kids are fully aware. Trust me. I, I'm, I'm the overprotective one because I'm like, listen to too much of this shit, really. <laughs> and I know the bad shit that can happen in the world uh, far too well. And uh, yeah, I, I'm the annoying parent. My, my kids get mad at me all the time. So I'm happy about that. I'll take it. You know, I'll take that. Jackson introvert. <laughs> if anyone approaches him, he runs the other way. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh God, social interaction? No, thank you. I need an adult. I need an adult. <laughs> so over the next five months, a massive police effort was underway to find Walter. Police believe that he may have been kidnapped by associates or enemies of his father, who was in prison for robbery at the time, but that proved to be a dead end. A call came in from San Francisco at one point where a witness claimed that they had seen Walter in the company of an unkempt, an unkempt, middle-aged Italian-looking man and a small woman at a gas station, uh, possibly driving a large sedan, possibly not having a car whatsoever. It was a very weird article to read. It was like, they may be a man, maybe a woman, may have a big car, may have no car at all. It's an article from like 100 years ago. Yeah. Is it a car or was it a carriage? I'm not sure. I didn't see the horses in the front, but I'm not, I don't know what exactly what it was. This wizardry, there was a wizard with him, I'm sure of it. <laughs> it was San Francisco. <laughs> That's where all the wizards lived. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that also proved to be a dead end. But Christine persevered. She never gave up on her search. And then in August of 1928, a boy appeared in DeKalb, Illinois. And the boy was brought in after his father, a man who they assumed had been his father, had abandoned him. And he told them that his name was Arthur Kent. And so the police placed him with a foster family. But he returned later and told them his real name was Walter Collins. So when Christine got the call, she didn't hesitate to pay the $70, which is around $1,100 today, for him to be traveling from Illinois to California to be reunited with her. So an absolutely elated Christine is at the train station. She can barely contain her joy. Reporters in the LAPD are waiting with bated breath for Walter to step off the train and rush into his mother's arms, but that is not what happened. The boy stepped off, looked at Christine, and her face immediately fell. I do not think this is my son, she said. I was just going to say the kid in foster care was like, I heard of a kid that's missing. That's me. I don't want to be in foster care anymore. Uh, That's pretty fun. So her refute was not welcomed by the police department. They were still recovering from their failure in the Marion Parker case, and they were under fire from a local Presbyterian minister and radio evangelist, Reverend Gustav Briglib. Uh, And they were under fire for the corruption and incompetence within the force. I won't get into the politics too much at the time, but this was around the time where um, the chief of police had armed a 50 man gun squad to to uh, take out criminals, basically bring them in dead or alive. He gave them free reign to shoot people on the street without question. This was a very rough time. Fuck yeah. Fucking Americans. (laughs) I think that's like. The 50 men like murder squad is actually going to make people think twice about being assholes. 
you know i i don't approve of it but i mean like it's i can see where so you think that you think deterrence works he's about to educate us richard no i think no i'm not i'm just asking you think deterrence I, works is what, what i hearing. what i think is is that this is i can see why some hick hillbilly fucking sheriff brain would go i'm gonna arm 50 people and i'm gonna get them and it would scare people but it's not gonna do what you want it to do long term it has a fucking short-term effect for sure but you can't continue doing that because then people get emboldened by guns okay and power well he wasn't a hick this was los angeles but essentially the reason that the the death squad was formed was because the cops had a hand in everything it was a way of getting rid of the competition from the dealers you know whatever criminals that were paying them that were bribing the police so that they could get a bigger cut this is this is what reverend briglib believed and was telling people on the radio every night okay So the police officers took Christine aside and they assured her that her doubt was normal given the circumstances of her stress and that what Walter had been through had likely changed him physically. And so Captain J.J. Jones famously told her, try the boy out. So she did. She took that boy home with her for three weeks. Uh, What? And? (laughs) That was a thing. Anyways, okay. The end. That's it? It just hurts my brain that people could do this shit. Like it hurts my brain. I don't, I get it. It's a hundred years ago, but we're not that different. We're really not, but I guess we are like. Yeah. So when she did return three weeks later, she returned with letters and files and statements from medical professionals, from teachers, from neighbors who all swore this boy was not Walter Collins. So she hoped that now that she had brought irrefutable proof that they would reopen the investigation into her missing son. She didn't even care that they gave her a fake son. They were just like, she just wanted the investigation reopened. They weren't looking for Walter anymore. That was what she had a problem with. She didn't even mind taking care of the kid. She was feeding him and taking care of him. She didn't care. But instead, Captain J.J. Jones flew into a rage about it. He called her a cruel-hearted woman who was trying to shirk the responsibilities of being a mother by forcing them to take her boy. And in an unbelievable (laughs) abuse of power and miscarriage of justice, he had her committed to the Los Angeles County General Hospital Psychiatric Ward for a five-day evaluation under Code 12, Police Action. Are you fucking serious? This lady's the only one keeping this investigation going. She's the only one who actually cares. And instead, like... I don't want to be annoyed by you anymore. Oh my God. Yeah. I hate people because I know we're not that much different. I know we're a hundred years ago. We're not that much different. And this shit would continue to happen if we weren't fucking monitoring people a lot more like we are now. Oh yeah. Like this is insane. Not only is she being forced to pressured to accept this boy. That's not her boy. They threw her in the fucking insane asylum with, they didn't have to check with anybody. One minute she's in the office with papers. The next minute she's being escorted into a straitjacket. Just so he's not annoyed. You know what I mean? Like he's just over this lady and looking for this fucking kid. Take this kid. It's good enough. It's good enough. Yeah, it's it's insane. And this was, a, like I said, tough time for them, right? Because they just fumbled Marion Parker so badly. They're like, we can't take this kind of PR right now. Oh, that's true too. That's why he's so annoyed. That's why he's so like. Oh, yeah. Like, no, not today. They were at the train station ready for Walter to step off the train and be like, this is going to look so great for us. We found the missing boy. Everyone will love us again. And then this, and in a snap judgment, he was like, you know what? No, 
we didn't make a mistake. You did. Yeah, and meanwhile, this other fucking ass clown and his nephew are killing them, killing off people, and you don't, you're, you're losing the leads on that or whatever. Like the even the trace of that by just going like, nope, he's alive. So like, these cops are fucked up. There were never any leads on this ever. At no point was it even. It did it even cross their mind that the missing boys that were going missing were in any way connected. The, uh-huh. Them stumbling across the Wineville chicken coop was an accident. Seriously. Seriously. Wow. I feel like, and I'm not even joking when I say this, I feel like the private dicks with zero training at all could be better police officers than this fucking asshole. Hell yeah. I agree. Especially RJ. Especially RJ. Especially RJ. Fuck you. Well, I like RJ, but go fuck yourself, RJ. <laughs> You've tempted Celeste. I was supposed to be the favorite. I love RJ and I will die on that hill. <laughs> I'm getting him to say something sexist next time. That won't matter. Okay. God damn it. I'm just going to get him to talk shit on Celeste. He has. He's the only <laughs> one who does. That's probably why I like him. I can work on that. He called me out on my bullshit for idolizing a pedophile. He called me out on my bullshit. And that's why I like RJ. That was actually very funny. I wasn't expecting that. Out of him. <laughs> So while Christine was in the psychiatric ward, she was subjected to many horrors. She was stripped naked. She was hosed down. She was cavity searched. And while she was there, she was subjected to disgusting coercion from the head doctor to recant her statement that the boy was not her son. He said that he would release her if she did that. Wow. So they're colluding with the doctors even. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And then where's the kid now? Like, they're just like, you know what, kid? You just fend for yourself while we brainwash your new mom. You'll be back. Well, she'll be back. Trust me. Some matron was taking care of him while she was inside. Some police matron. Wow. This is... Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So, during her time in there, she never wavered. She was was, um, committed for a five-day hold. She was kept on after day five because she refused to sign the statement that she was no longer insane, meaning she was not going to fuck with the cops anymore. And so she actually ended up staying an additional five days. She was released after 10 days, but she may have been held indefinitely, if not for the efforts of Reverend Reverend Briglib. He was campaigning to have her released. It's the only reason she got out. Oh, this is the Bush of the day then. We've got uh, Hero Bush. There's a fucking monstrous, lengthy, braided bush on Gottlieb. Huge bush. And honestly, if all men of God could be like this man, I might be religious myself. Yeah, it sounds like it. And and like, okay, let's bring it back to you guys. What Would you guys crack on that? Okay, we were talking about would you crack like if you either be abused or murder someone, okay? Would you crack on like, this is my kid. I'm just going to admit to this being my kid so I can get the fuck out of this hospital? No. No, never. I would. I would only because if I don't admit to it being my kid, me being in that hospital does not help me get the kid. And I feel like if the cops are no longer going to help, I need to now be out there looking for the kid. Yeah. And I feel like, does she know Gottlieb or is that what his name is? Gottlieb? Gottlieb? Briglib. Yeah. Is Briglib like, does she know he's campaigning for her while she's in there? No, she she had a reasonable belief to to think that he might because they were discussing the case, but. Um, yeah. No, like she had no guarantee. She could have stayed in there forever. 
Yeah. Cause I, I think I would probably not admit to it then because I know uh, I love my kids to death uh, and I wouldn't want to just feel like it's over now. Right. That, that, that fear of, I think I'm a part Rick too. Like I'm thinking about what Rick said, like, no, the cops, obviously either way, if I say yes, or if I say no, they're not looking anymore. So maybe I have to be out to go look, but at the same time, I don't want to like, like, am I going to get in trouble if I keep looking like these cops are everywhere? You know, they're, I don't know. This is a hard one. No, I think for me, I would just, I would give up long before I wouldn't be campaigning to be out there looking for my son anymore. It's been five months already. No, it's been more than five months. It's been like six, seven months now. Yeah. I would have given up by this point. I know because of being, because of true crime, because of everything. I know that seven months in the real, the reality is he's probably dead. Yeah. And I would, I would be like, no, I'm not getting out of here just so that I can raise some boy who isn't mine. If I get out of here, I'm going to blow my brains out. It is that simple oh. without my son for me anyway. Yeah. 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 It's hard. It's, it's definitely hard. It's just like, I feel like would you think that he's dead though? Because you do love your children, right? You're like, you love Jack a lot. So would you just concede after seven months or would you have it in your brain somewhere that maybe some other asshole sheriff took my kid and gave it to some other unsuspecting mother who's in some other uh, fucking brain or whatever you uh, like hospital right now getting brainwashed by another doctor saying that's her kid. Like, but Jack's not a con artist, right? Jack's Jack's going to be like, take me to my mom, yeah. right? So it's yeah. a little bit different. I think just based on me in general, I would have accepted by this point that they're, that even if he is found someday, and I would hope that he would be if he's still alive and it would be by accident, he'd be taken care of without me anyway. I would have given up. I, 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 whatever. Yeah. I would not concede to this asshole though. No. Yeah. I feel like what you're saying is very true. <laughs> I feel like I, I know that you would do that. I do, but I don't know. I I'm right in the middle on this. Depends how bad they're like torturing me and how much, like, I don't know. I wouldn't care. I'd just be like, give me my sedatives and leave me to rot. Yeah. Yeah. That's just me though. Yeah. I'm not going to go. Like I, I like to pretend in my brain that I'm Kiefer Sutherland and I'm going to go save the day, but you're right. Fuck. What am I going to do? I'm just some fat dickhead who can't fucking know when not to make rape jokes. You know what I mean? Like, what am I, what do I know? Same. It sucks. It's a shitty situation. She's stronger than I would ever be, especially then. I mean, obviously now if somebody did that to a woman, the woman would just be like, no, I'm not taking this kid home. But then she is under the very real threat of being a woman in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Today you could never pull this off because you have like a thousand pictures of your kid in your phone that's in your pocket. You'd be like, that isn't him. That's him. That's him. That's him. This kid did look quite a bit like him. So not oh, enough. Oh, yeah, really? That's so similar? Okay. Yeah, very similar looking. She did have a photograph. The police did have it. But at the same time, the police just kept saying all of his physical changes can be attributed to the trauma that she, that he went through while he was gone. I don't think trauma works like that. You don't change like your facial appearance after five months of being in trauma, Uh, maybe 10 years, you know, see in the movie, the changeling, which I did watch, but obviously isn't hundred percent accurate. um, I couldn't find any confirmation of this. I did look, apparently he, the boy was um, circumcised and her son wasn't. And she was like, come on. Yeah, that'd be the first place I'd look. Okay, well, pull it out. <laughs> Let me see your Are dick you... right here in this tray. 
I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that's just for the thing. It was dental records. Apparently the kid had a bunch of fillings that, or the fucking Walter had a bunch of fillings that this kid did not have. He didn't have, he, he didn't have the same dental work. So. Okay, wait, there's a, there's a movie of this. It's, it's called the changeling. I never watched that. Uh, yeah. It's about, it's about Christine Collins and, and, and the chicken coop murders. Yeah. It's uh, Angelina Jolie plays Christine. Uh I didn't know either. I just found it while I was researching this case. And I was like, holy shit, how did I not see this movie? This is right up my alley. Yeah, it's cool. It sounds cool. I'm going to watch it. It's good. Yeah, I recommend it. It's got uh, John Malkovich in it, and I love him. He's he's Briglib. Mm-hmm. Malkovich is a man. Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, in case you're not keeping up, these timelines cross. While she is in the asylum, Sanford Clark is singing like a canary about the chicken coop. Oh, really? So that's the timeline on this. Okay. Yeah. So where this is where the stories cross. So because the police now have this bombshell from Sanford Clark in hand, the mysterious boy is now interrogated by the police. And they had no way of disputing that this was not Walter Collins. They'd been out to the ranch. They'd found the graves right where Sanford said they would be. And so the boy confesses that he is not Walter Collins. He says his name is Billy Fields, which is another alias, but fuck the police. And so they had to do some sleuthing. And they did eventually discover that the boy was Arthur Hutchins Jr., a 12-year-old juvenile criminal from Iowa. And uh, once he was had, Arthur told them the truth. He told him that he had been sitting in a diner when one of the patrons had mistook him for Walter Collins. And he said his stepmother was kind of a hag and his father was a bastard for marrying her. So he played along to get free travel to Los Angeles because he wanted to start a new life in Hollywood. This is a 12-year-old? Uh, he's been through a lot. Holy. I bet my kid's 10 and he would never be able to pull this off. He couldn't even fucking lie to me. Like, hey, did you fill the dishwasher? Yes. Like, imagine lying to a police officer at 12. Like, come on. Or sorry, like whomever, it doesn't matter. Like making aliases up and shit. You would, my kid would never get away with that. I'd catch him right away. This kid was a con artist. He'd been a con artist for a long time. He actually made the decision to leave because he had been arrested for stealing the past summer. And he, as a result was, he had to check in with the police every single week. And so he was like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. This guy thinks I'm Walter Collins. Fine. I'm going to go see the cowboy movies up close and personal. And he he pulled it off. He never wavered until he was caught. I wonder what kind of like stuff went missing from new mom's house during that first couple days. <laughs> like, I wonder what kind of stuff he was putting in his pockets, waiting to get out of there as soon as he possibly could. She wouldn't have even noticed. Exactly. Yeah, so the silverware buried near that house somewhere still to this day. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, when he was preparing to board the train home, they tracked down his stepmother who came to get him. A reporter for the Chicago Tribune asked him about Christine. And Arthur said, she was nice to me and it's fun being somebody you aren't. So the little sociopath didn't even fucking apologize. I think. I think this kid is the most evil out of anyone. And we were talking about a chicken coop guy who's like raping and killing kids. This kid is like, you know, in, uh, in the Simpsons, they got like the opposite, like Bart kid. That's from like Shelbyville. I think he's that. Oh, <laughs> the Shelbyville <laughs> Walter. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty evil. Yeah. Well, back home, Arthur went to a juvenile delinquent rehabilitation program for boys. And then as an adult, he worked carnivals. He trained horses and he had a family before dying in 1954 of a blood clot at age 38. So, haha, fucker. I'm almost 38. I don't know what to tell you, man. Smoking increases your rate of blood clots. I'll miss you. <laughs> Quit smoking. Quitters never win. Winners never live past 40. <laughs> sick fuck man (laughs) all right so meanwhile gordon and his mother were arrested in vancouver bc after they had arrived at his sister's house for a visit and they knew and phoned the police so on the ranch police found axes with human blood and hair two graves containing 51 total human bone fragments not from 51 people just 51 pieces of bones okay The medical examiner determined that all of the bones did come from male children. Uh, On the property, they also found drafts of the coerced letters from the Winslow brothers to their parents. They found a library book that one of them had checked out from the local library. And they also found several Boy Scout badges. Oh, God. It is the Scouts. I knew it. Yeah. 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 But none of these items could be linked to Walter Collins. Okay. So Sarah Louise initially confessed to all four murders that they were being charged with. And she did this in order to protect Gordon. But her husband, his father, Cyrus George, told the police that she was completely devoted to Gordon and that she was lying so that she could cover for him. Uh, Cyrus George also told the police that Gordon had come to see him and confessed to the murders two days before Sanford was arrested at the ranch. According to Sanford's testimony, the only victim that uh, Sarah Louise had killed was Walter. And so as a result, she was only charged with his murder. She was convicted and sentenced to life in prison uh, in December of 1928. So while she was in prison, she did recant her confession and did deny killing Walter. Uh, She was actually released, though, in 1940 after less than 12 years. After she was released, she joined her husband, Cyrus George, in Parsonsburg, Maryland, where he had bought a farm. And they both died in 1944. He stayed with her after all that 12 years. That's nuts. He wasn't stingy with the quicklime. Okay. <laughs> Can you imagine these two kids, Gordon and Alexander, getting together? Like they're both pretty fucking evil kids. Like I don't, I know he was under. Oh, Arthur, and, yeah, yeah, Arthur. Sorry. Yeah. Can you imagine these two kids? Like they're these are the two most evil children we've had on the show so far. They're very evil. They're only twelve and thirteen, right? I don't think Sanford's evil. If you kill someone, you're pretty evil. Okay, but. He, he confessed as soon as he was free up from under his uncle. He didn't have to tell yeah. them. I guess so. I guess that's true. I, I think he was a prisoner. I don't, I don't, I don't hold him accountable for it, honestly. I mean, how many, I, how many, do we know how many kids were actually found out there? Like how many dead kids total? Like you said, 51 bones and four kids that I can think of, but we don't know how many out there. No, there's no way to know years. for sure. All they know for sure was that the two brothers um, and the headless Mexican those are the only bodies that they had for sure. The rest, they don't know. And there's no definitive way of proving Walter Collins was out there, except for that Sanford said he was. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, I, ch- I take it back. I don't think that that kid's that evil then. 
I just thought there was a fucking plethora of kids out there. And like at a certain point, you got to like, gets this right. You got to make your move. Get the fuck out of there. If you're not like, if you're just sitting around for two years, just eventually helping you become evil. Like you could get trained to be evil. He wasn't helping for two years. Gordon, the first murder was February of 1928 and he was caught in September of 1928. Okay. So he was just being abused for two years. He just had to be helping for like six months or eight months or whatever. Okay. That's different. I clarification. Perfect. The assumption is that Sanford got too old for his preferences. Uh, oh. So. Uh, so Sanford Clark was never tried for any of the murders. He ended up spending two years at the Whittier State School in California, which is a reformatory, but he wasn't there. He wasn't convicted of a crime. So he went on to serve in World War II after he was deported back to Canada. And then he worked for the Canadian Postal Service for 28 years in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. He married a woman named June, and the two of them adopted two boys. He and his wife were married for 55 years, and he died in 1991 at age 78. So I don't know. He doesn't seem like a bad person to me, but. No, for sure. That's uh, like, I'm just trying to think what kind of trauma lingered from that your whole life. You lived a whole long life, right? That must have been hard. Like, there must have been a lot of rough patches, you know? Especially when you had kids. I had, I had kids your age when they became like 10 to 12, whatever, they're under my hand, you know? Yeah, well, that's just it. Did he adopt the boys because he felt guilty, maybe, about what he did yeah. to those other boys? Did he adopt the boys because he was just continuing a cycle of abuse? People have their own theories, yeah. but June stayed married to him for 55 years. That yeah. says a lot. No, for sure. Women are very good judges of character most times. You know, like if a guy's a fucked up piece of shit, usually a woman will fucking leave them, you know, eventually. And it's not like this didn't make news. She knew who he was. Yeah. No, I would imagine you can't go that like, even if it wasn't in the news, he would have said something over the 55 years. He would have, you'd have to, intimacy is a thing, especially with like long-term couples. And eventually you just know the people that you just know them, everything about them. Right. His son's new too. Oh God, see, that's, I can't imagine my dad telling me that like, yeah, <laughs> I, I had to do some fucked up shit when I was a kid. What do you mean, dad? And then you're just like, now you're traumatized kind of. Like, no, I, I don't want to. Been... You want to talk about not wanting to do stuff, son? Well, get here on my lap. We'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of his sons, Jerry Clark, actually wrote a book about him and he, he adored him. He said he was a wonderful father. So, yeah. That's good. I, at least there's that. At least like there's there's light at the end of the tunnel for someone that went through something so horrific and like pulled through to the other end. And if if your kids loved you and they they wrote beautiful things about you, that's all you want, man. It's a legacy. You know, that's all you really, really want. It's all you're really going to get. It's the best you can get. Most people. I agree. So. Yeah. So uh, in his initial interrogation, Gordon Northcott confessed to killing nine boys. However, in writing, he would only admit to the murder of the Hispanic boy, the headless Mexican, they called him. Uh, during the investigation, he would gleefully fuck with police. He would tell them where to find bodies that weren't there. He would change his story frequently. He would boast about having as many as 20 victims. But in the end, he was only officially charged for the murders of the Hispanic boy and the Winslow brothers. During court proceedings, he dragged out the suffering of the families as much as he could. He fired three defense attorneys before choosing to represent himself, which he did with confidence, but embarrassingly poorly. 
at one point he called himself as a witness and he sat in the box asking himself questions and answering them. <laughs> uh, during his line of questioning, he claimed that he was in an incestuous relationship with his mother, uh, that she had been dressing him in women's clothes until he was 16, that his father had been sodomizing him since age 10, and that he was in love with all of the children that he abducted. Uh, he also called the prosecutor up to the stand, and instead of questioning him, he just hurled obscenities at him. Okay. <laughs> I love that last one, though. <laughs> that's, a, that's a baller move. It is baller and a half. I honestly, and maybe this is going to sound like, I don't know, but I love when these killers decide like you know what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna be my own lawyer like i love when bundy did it i found it hilarious i loved when uh like a bunch of people have done it like it's all it's very funny and the fact that this guy was like put himself on the stand asked himself some questions and answered them is like that's a sketch that's what saturday night live would write and they would do that like like that's not a real thing as if you would do that that's amazing it's so baller it's great <laughs> yes well uh, in an absolutely wild turn of events, he called his mother, Sarah Louise, as a witness. So she was brought from the prison where she was already serving her sentence, and she dropped the absolute nuke that she wasn't even his mother. She was his grandmother, and Gordon was the product of her husband, Cyrus George, having an incestuous relationship with their daughter, Winifred. So this claim was never verified, but regardless of that, how would this insanity even help? It didn't. It made it crazier. And I just, I was hoping you were going to say she got him off of a train when some police officer said that they were his, but I guess the, that train is gone. <laughs> it's worse. It's incest. So fuck. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me. It wouldn't like, sure. I, I believe that. I believe that hundred percent. So do I, honestly. Yeah. I do, yeah. but still, how would how does that even help, man? That doesn't like she wasn't even trying to like distance herself from him or anything either. It's weird, right? She drops this bomb and then gets out and goes back to live with her husband that raped their daughter and had their grandson. What? Uh, anyway, different families, man. Everybody's different. All families are different. <laughs> All families matter. <laughs> I don't know who might who might have judged the incestuous. No, I'm just joking. I judge it. Completely. Yeah, I was like, you're in a pretty good position. I fucking hope. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. we're gonna need to have a chat. Oof. Okay. I don't know. Like this, it's only a hundred years ago. That's the thing. Is like everyone always thinks a hundred years ago is that like super long ago. It's not, and it's fucked because it's happening still to this day. This fucked up shit, and it hurts my brain. It hurts yeah. my brain. Yeah. Uh, Gordon also called his father to testify, and his father said that he'd given his son the quicklime, which he later found out was used to dispose of the bodies, but he had no idea. Just so we're clear. The quicklime was to clean underneath the basement. It wasn't to get rid of bodies at all. He was dissolving roots. Well, that's what John Wayne Gacy said, right? He was just cleaning his basement with the lime. I wasn't yeah. trying to get rid of the kids. Yeah, so he had, <laughs> his father had no idea. Uh, the psychiatrist who examined Gordon before the trial reported that he demonstrated three of the nine classifications of the constitutional psychopathic inferior, which was what 
it was called at the time. Now it's the psychopathy checklist. Uh, Gordon was, as should now be clear, a pathological liar. Uh, he also fell under a criminalistic individual and a sexual deviant. Really? Yes. Shocking. Yes. Back then, though, probably a sexual deviant was somebody that did it doggy style. So I'm not really going to hold too much into that. Like That's why it's not in there anymore. <laughs> Everyone's a sexual deviant. Yeah, nobody wants to admit to it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, Rick, you've jumped in like eight times just to go, fuck yeah, and then muted yourself. Fuck yeah. <laughs> America. America. <laughs> <laughs> I'm letting so I'm letting this all soak in. I feel like, I, you know, I get shit when I interrupt Richard during his monologue. So I'm letting you go. <laughs> a monologue. I'm sorry. Am I boring you? Are monologues meant to be boring? I, I, that's not what I meant by it. I think so. No, you're just storytelling. So I'm listening. It's very respectful. It is very respectful. What are you doing also, though? I'm hearing a lot of click, click, click over there. I literally am clicking mute and unmute every time. You've been clicking before. Fine. Keep your secrets. So the trial lasted 27 days and the verdict was reached in two hours. He was found guilty of all three murders and sentenced to death on February 19th, 1929. While he was on death row, he wrote to Christine Collins telling her that he was ready to tell her the truth about her son. And so she went to see him at San Quentin Prison, which was a big deal. Women were not allowed to go visit serial killers back then. It was like massive deal that they that the warden let her do this. I'm surprised she was allowed to leave her fucking house. You know what I mean? Like she was kind of a local celebrity by this time because of because she stood up to the police. So she 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 was too public to be under threat from the police anymore. They couldn't do anything about her. So uh, she went to visit him where he told her fucking nothing. Classic fucking this guy. Obviously he's lying again. He showed up and he was just like, just kidding. Pretty much uh, literally that. He was like, ah, just kidding. Bye. Yeah, I was bored in my cell and I couldn't ask myself questions all day today. So thanks for coming though. Thanks. <laughs> Good to see you. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How how's your son? How's your son? Oh, oh, oh. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Still dead. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I could picture this fucking guy literally doing just that across the table from her. Doing fucking shtick. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Poor lady. She must have been furious. Oh yeah. So um, while he was on death row, he also wrote a letter to the warden and he wrote in this letter uh, that his father had actually been the one who murdered Walter and that Sanford had killed Nelson, one of the brothers. And Sanford, by the way, had previously said, yes, I did do that. So this was not new information. Um, He also wrote a letter to his spiritual advisor stating that he was innocent and the police had forced him to confess and he begged for God to pity him and save his life. So he's getting some cold feet. Did it work? Not so much. Every time I beg to God for things, he gives me whatever I want. Come on, God. Let's try that out. Yeah. I thought God favored pedophiles. Well, <laughs> if you're if you're a Catholic God, they definitely help you out. Or you're in the Boy Scouts, apparently. 
maybe maybe it's because one of them was hispanic god was like no no white kids oh yeah only. i forgot to talk about that yeah he only admitted to this hispanic kid because he's like yeah fuck that little mexican like and no one cares yeah that, exactly like fuck man just admit to all of them and give people the peace of mind you piece of shit no he's having a great time i wonder if when she came in he was he just said to pull my finger <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> eight men can fuck off yeah he can anyway so on october 2nd 1930 gordon was marched to the gallows the los angeles times wrote that he shivered as he walked and that he had to be carried up the stairs uh, he asked for his eyes to be covered so he couldn't see the gibbet. And he mumbled to himself the entire time, don't hang me, don't hang me, don't hang me. And witnesses said that the fear caused his knees to buckle before the door was dropped, which takes the slack out of the rope, which means his neck absolutely would not break in the fall. So he had to choke there. For 11 minutes. And that is far better than he deserved. You're goddamn right. Bravo. Death penalty on this one. Yeah, I think God answered and it was a good answer. Well, I think he wasn't asking God. See, the problem is he wasn't going, God, don't let them hang me. God, don't let them hang me. God, don't let them. He was just saying, don't hang me, don't hang me, don't hang me. That's not asking God anything. So God was like, you know what? It's going to happen. He just should have said God in there. That's all. He done goofed. I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he uh, hung there for, I did. Everyone must've cheered. I wonder if people did that at the end of like executions, like, or like a slow clap, somebody at the back. 100%. According to the times, it was very solemn. They all just stood there silently watching him strangle for 11 minutes. And then laughed about it when they got home. Uh, I, I just picture this guy swinging back and forth, shitting himself, pissing himself. And just like slowly going, like dying away. And just someone, as soon as he stops moving, just. And then everyone erupts into cheering. And they like carry the executioner around town on everyone's shoulder. Like, you did it. You did it. You did it. <laughs> if only. <laughs> Is there more than one person that gets executed in these things? I don't know about this one specifically. But do you think like there's like a lineup of 10 people? And they just do them all at once? Typically, I think that would be a firing squad. Would be my guess. The world has changed in that regard a lot. I, I, I don't know. Would you go to a public execution? Like oh, if they had them now? yes. Yeah. Well, they would be live streamed, so I would just watch it on my phone. You lazy fucker. Yeah. Oh. Well, like if they open up Madison Square Gardens to like a serial killer just getting his fucking guillotined, you'd, you'd go. Would you go to that? You'd go to that, Celeste? Oh yeah. It's too morbid. Like, I like watching the shit on the internet. It's not morbid, though. A public execution was fun. It was like a night at the theater. It wasn't morbid. No, I know. It is morbid, though. That's the problem, is that it wasn't morbid. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's weird now. (laughs) They serve in, like, chili dogs and, like, get checked. Come on over. Get a slushy. Let's do this. Like, I don't see the problem. Oh, okay. You'd, you'd watch it. I just wouldn't. I just, I, I understand it. Don't get me wrong. I understand, especially if you're involved with the killer in some way and you're like family members of victim or whatever. I understand the want to see it happen and get it over with. I would just like to have that separation between like reality and my computer screen and then I'll watch it. So you'd watch it later. 
or live streaming. I'd probably do the gets thing and watch it live, but I couldn't go to it. I don't think I could do that. The gets thing, as if I invented live streaming. Come on. We all know, we all know if public executions were still happening, it would be fucking live streamed. That, that's not just my idea. Yeah, it's your it's your idea. It was your idea. You invented this. Uh, just like you invented terrorism. If you're going to blame, if you're going to bl- blame a tech guy, you blame Mark Zuckerberg, all right? <laughs> that motherfucker brought it to the forefront. Like, I, I'm even thinking, like, if it's someone, like, in Canada, I'd be more shocked if it was someone overseas. And I know it's not okay. I, they're all, everyone's, but I have way more separation to it. Like, if it was someone in Timmins, like, my little town, getting executed in, like, the town square in Timmins, I, I wouldn't be able to live stream watch that because I'd probably know them. But if it's, like, a nameless, faceless, I could live stream. I couldn't go to it. You, wait, you're telling me you wouldn't, you wouldn't live stream somebody that you know getting killed? Well, of course not. Oh, I would. If I was getting live stream murdered right now, would you watch that? Hundred. Well, what time is it? <laughs> I'm busy right now. Can I just? <laughs> I've got a. Dinner. Is there a record? Is there a recording? Can I Patreon that? Because I would definitely subscribe. <laughs> oh, that's such a great page. That's some good content. Yeah, if I could, yeah, ten dollars a month, and I can just watch it. Yeah. Just watch murder. No, you specifically. No, not well. Yeah, you over and over again would be great, but it's not. It's not murder if it's done by the government, right? <laughs> oh, really? Are are drone strikes murder? Obama doesn't think so. Oh, and it's Obama now too. <laughs> well, Obama's the guy that started the drone. Well, no, I'm not gonna get into history. History. Uh, yeah. Just unfortunately, anyways, the guy who was around when they became popular. I don't. Would I watch this guy get killed? Yes, I would. I would watch this guy get killed for sure. Watching murder seems weird to me. I want to bond with the people around me by watching murder together, and it's not murder. You can bond with the people in the comments section. Fuck off! I can. Those are the worst people because they know they can say whatever the fuck they want. Incels, anti-vaxxers. No. Now, rate and review our podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, <laughs> go there right away and uh, put five stars. And, and if you're on YouTube, uh, smash that like button. Smash that, that bell. <laughs> smash that bell. <laughs> Turn that bell blue. For anyone that doesn't like me specifically, I'm not a part of this podcast. I don't rate them poorly. For anyone that does like me, please rate this podcast with five stars. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. You know what, Rick? Thanks. That's going to pull them in. Thanks. Thanks, (laughs) guy. Thanks, buddy. I I know how to talk to the people. I know. We could tell. Watch watch my next live stream, Public Execution. He's just going to have a weird OnlyFans. No, it's called Private Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Is there more to this bad boy? There's one more order of business. What happened to Christine okay. Collins? Oh, yes. So uh, once the truth was out on all of the front pages, Christine demanded compensation for her false imprisonment. And the court ruled in her favor. She was awarded $10,800, which she never received, from Captain J.J. Jones. Five years after Gordon was executed, one of the boys the police had believed was a victim of Gordon Northcott was found alive. And this 
gave hope to Christine that Walter was still out there somewhere. She spent the rest of her life searching for Walter, and he was never found and is believed to be one of the victims of the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. Christine Collins died on December 8th, 1964, at age 75. And in 1930, the town of Wineville changed its name to Miraloma to escape from under the cloud of the horror that was left behind by Gordon Northcott. Poor, she's like the biggest victim, well, minus the murder victims, but like she's the biggest uh, tragedy of this whole thing, you know? She spent her whole life, she's probably in her 74, she's probably telling people like, my son's coming home today. I guess it's, she just spent a lot of time calling hospitals and county jails and just making phone calls, hoping. Sad. I'm, I'm now sad. <laughs> you did it. You didn't make me puke. but you I told you sad, it was so. a brutal one. But yeah. you gotta admit, holy fuck. It doesn't even oh, sound sure. real what they did to this woman. I do, I do admit, holy fuck. Uh, I can't imagine the police being that corrupt. You know? That's where... Uh, it, in that way, man, like even today, like they're bad, but I can't imagine it being like, nah, that's not the one. That's not the part that got me. No, I, yeah, that, that part came a little bit too easily. I think police corrupt. What? No, that oh, corrupt. I get, system? I get police are corrupt. Don't get me wrong. Not a fan of the police, but to the point where they're just going to tell some lady that's their kid or you're going to fucking uh, the insane asylum. That's like a different level. That's, that's different. That's crazy. That's, scary very scary uh shooting minorities on the street for no reason that uh is different to me that's not the same that's just cops being like this is easier to do it this way yeah you had to put a lot of work into like finding this kid training him over there like bringing him like setting it up like this weird meat shooting some guy in the street because you didn't feel like fucking finding the real guy that's easy you know anyways I just can't imagine cops being that corrupt, but I guess they are in the twenties anyway. I wish I could go back in time and just tell this lady to, to like, you know, just let it go, man. Yes. Yeah, stop trying to fight the system and go try and find your son. That's my piece of advice. Just how do you know what to do? A hundred years ago, you got to be careful because like you spilled the salt off the wrong direction of the table and all of a sudden you're a fucking witch, right? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm not standing up against authority. Yeah, no, uh, sure. I get that. It's just, I, I bet you, like, nowadays, what would you do if your son or daughter was missing and you had, you'd go to the police, the police are doing nothing, then maybe you'd start, like, researching missing kids in the area or something. You'd have the internet a source. Like, where do you go beyond the police for her? To some reverend, okay, then after that, what do you do? And then you just feel helpless for 20, 30, 40 years, you know? I, it's, I feel really sad for this this lady, like, unreal. I don't even know how you live after something like that. Just the hope, maybe, the hope that he's going to show up at the door and you don't want to be gone. What did, what did her husband do? He was in prison for robbery. So he wasn't even in the picture, really. Mm-mm. What did he steal? I have no idea. I don't really know anything about him. I just know that he was in prison for a robbery. I think he was somewhat big time criminal because he was a realistic um, lead for a long time that somebody he pissed off had kidnapped Walter. Oh, oh, okay. So that's that's where the cops' heads were at first for like, 
let's look at known associates. So they wouldn't even had chicken boy. There must have been some sort of like thought that kids are going missing in that area. There must have been like, anyways, the cops, the cops on this one fucked up. The cops in this one were very corrupt. Uh, I genuinely don't think that there were any more victims. I think this was all of the victims for sure. Because if there's one thing that's, I think, consistent, Sanford Clark never told a lie. Everything he said was true, including that he killed Nelson Winslow for one thing. I think that if there was more, he said that there was more victims, but I don't. Those are the only yeah. three that he could actually even talk about, like had anything to say about. So. Plus, he's kid. He's a kid. He was probably confused at the end of it all. Right. Like mixing memories and trauma and everything together. It's hard to just parse that stuff together as an adult. Never mind in a kid brain. Well, there were more victims, right? He brought lots of boys to the farm, but didn't kill them. Oh, OK. So like he was just he only killed the special ones. Well, it's oh. possible Sanford only helped. He had to help every time. That means that there are only those victims, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Walford or Walford. I'm pretty sure Walter was one of them. Walter was one of. Well, it stands to reason. Like it's Occam's razor on this one. Like it's probably him for sure. It's where else is he? He didn't run to Mexico. This one didn't go to Mexico to go back to his family. So. Mm-hmm. yeah it sucks but there you go for all you sickos out there that really like the gruesome cases that really like serial killers and we never talk about them i know we never talk about them because serial killers are boring if you want to know the truth most serial killers are a snore fest they're mediocre mediocrity that couldn't handle being so mediocre that they had to go try and be special you're not special you're a loser most of these guys i hate they're not even fun to talk about they're not that interesting. Sorry. If something happened around them that's interesting, we'll talk about them like this. Yeah. And, and there are some that are going to have some sort of unethical angle that we'll bring up in the future, I'm sure. Uh, we've talked about one specific one that may or may not come in the future. But like other than that, they're just boring fucks. That's all. I'm serious. If you look at any serial killer, it's overhyped, baby, wah, wah. I'm not good enough for life, so I killed people like shut the fuck up you loser go to your fucking post office job richard just pissed off all serial killers and post office employees in one fucking statement and i love it (laughs) there's a reason it's called going postal yeah um and like bundy okay first of all uh, let me get this off uh if we're going to talk about ramirez the only interesting thing about ramirez is the fact that the entire fucking neighborhood hunted him down and took him out Bundy, what's nothing's interesting. The only thing that's interesting about Bundy is that he defended himself and he escaped prison twice. I do like those two things. They're very interesting. Uh, Other than that, though, these guys are boring. They're all boring. I'm serious. They're boring. So fuck you. I'm not doing them unless we have a good angle to find. But well, we we're not going to give them that kind of attention. None of us are thirsty for them. And it's gross. If we're talking about good looking ones, the best looking one was Dahmer. Kemper. Oh, Kemper's a babe in a way, right? Oh, Kemper. Big Ed. Everybody that says Bundy's good looking, that guy's got a unibrow, okay? Right? Yeah, get the fuck out of here with that unibrow. And the fucked up teeth? No. Beady little eyes. I will say, though, both of those things are easily fixable. Fucked up teeth and a unibrow? 
for any of the people that, out there that think that they could change him. <laughs> <laughs> guys thanks so much for listening head on over to our facebook and instagram to join in on the conversations about all things unethical just search unethical podcast you can also find us on patreon where you can get access to all of our super awesome content uncut videos of our discussions and early release of all the episodes we are adding fun stuff all the time so you should definitely come and check it out thanks again we appreciate all of you Bam, bam, bam. <laughs>